Man, I don't know about you, man, but I'm just telling you. I don't know if it's just the Lord likes the Marriott today or something, but I'm just getting so blessed by that worship. Let's give them a hand. My goodness. I'm serious, man. I just start crying. You start singing about peanut butter jelly sandwiches. I start crying, man. I'm just serious, man. I feel like every word just dropping like a bomb on my heart. I'm just crying. I'm like, what's going on, God? I'm just enjoying this so much. Last night and today, my goodness. And uh, I am just uh, so blessed to be with you guys. The Lord met us in a strong way last night. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's meaning that he's, he's backing, he's validating, and he's saying something in it. It's more than just, well, I had a good service. <clears throat> he's not just into just giving good services for service's sake. He's saying something. And uh, I, I specifically say, I believe the, the fire of the Holy Spirit was renewing our vision to believe again. And I feel like the devil is constantly like, the, you know, birds come and just release their stuff on our windshields, <laughs> on our cars. <laughs> you know, you got demonic powers that are seeking to, just to corrupt or to uh, block or to confuse our vision for all that's in God's heart. And many of us just are constantly getting bombarded with lies concerning the nature of God and concerning who we are to Him and, con- and concerning... Because I don't know about you, I just want to kind of reiterate kind of what God did last night. And if you weren't here, is there, do you put it up on your website or anything? All right, good. Get it on the website. I felt like the Lord was doing something in a special way during ministry time. But that point to where we were talking about Psalm 2 and how the Lord does intercession, and He always initiates, God always initiates with intercession by doing this. He washes us with, you are my son. The Father always initiates with, you are my sons and you are my daughters, washing us in His affection over us, our belovedness to Him, but it's also speaking about washing us in our inheritance in Him. And I feel like we have got to get into a receiving way to receive from God so that we can see as He sees. Intercession is not like, I'm just going to keep plowing, trying to keep it going. Just keep beating myself and forgetting. It doesn't begin with us. It's not just in our... We receive. And that's how it goes right there. 1 John 5. I want to talk some more into intercession this morning. And I just want to throw some extra logs on this. I mean, you guys... It's just beautiful. But I want to unapologetically call everyone that's listening to real, and this is my aim in all of this, reorient your schedules, change your lives, and find yourself in the prayer room during your weeks. That's, uh, if that doesn't happen, this was a pep rally. Until it shifts your life and you find yourself in the midst of a corporate community, something's got to shift. And I feel like that's part of the shift in the body of Christ is that now with the emergence of praying communities, we actually have an outlet, praying communities that touch his heart, and then we carry it into our lives. If not, it just is a good meeting. And I want more than good meetings. And I want more than just feeling an impartation that lasts for another four days so that Christianity isn't miserable. (laughs) It's going to require something of you. And if there you're like, well, where I come from, there is no praying community. Begin one. Start one. Start praying. And let's build a culture of fire. Amen? The issue, this is where intercession begins. I'm serious. That's where it begins. 1 John 5 says that you and I 
our confidence that we become confident when we pray according to His will. And we know that He hears us and that we have the petitions that we've asked of Him. And this is where it begins, is that you and I get filled. God, what burns on your heart? What is your dreams, your desires, your heart? And as God washes us, we are thereby empowered with faith to take a stand and agree with God's desires. Intercession is not twisting a reluctant God's arm to look at Boston and to look at New England and do something. And we're not, we're not among the 7,000 groups out there crying out, but God, throw some bread our way. Throw some bread our way. Love it. He, it's not God come down here. It's Corey come up here. You've got to understand that. I'm trying to shift your paradigm of intercession, of just seeing it like a bunch of persistent widows crying out to an unjust judge. That is the current mindset. Luke 18, Jesus gave us a parable of a man, how men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18. And you know the parable. The, the, the persistent widow is crying out to an unjust judge, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice, and the unjust judge would not for a while. But after a while, she kept coming, and he goes, you know what, this woman's getting on my nerves. I'm going to give her what she wants, lest by her continual coming, she wear me out. Then Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said, which means connect that if a widow overcomes an unjust God, an unjust judge, he says, how much more will God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? Which means this, he's using it as a paradox, saying that if a widow can overcome an unjust person, how much can the bride, sons, daughters, the elect, how much more... Can we see justice released in our cities when we perpetually come forth before Him because we're not a widow and He's not unjust? That's the issue. You're not a widow. I'm not a widow. I have a husband. His name is Jesus. I have a father. His name is God. And He happens to like me more than anybody else. And He's not unjust. He's not unrighteous. And He's not a liar. He doesn't lie. His name is truth. So we want to get filled with that perspective. I'm his bride. God, you're just. And there's a connection. Crying out day and night. Crying out day and night. He says he will bring forth speedy justice. He will bring forth speedy justice. And then Jesus asked the rhetorical question, which is a prophecy. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he really find faith on the earth? He connects this kind of people to his coming. Beloved, I want you to know he's doing it right now. There's so much to talk about this morning, but I really feel like God, I'm just going to give you some verses and I want you to go look at them later and feed on them. Okay? I, I feel like, and I just want to continually talk, I just keep talking into this intercession this morning is that it begins right here, and, and, and I feel like some of the, uh, um, the foremost foundations of growing in intercession, growing in a life of prayer, is number one, connecting to who you're talking to. Connecting to who you're talking to. I was in Basel, Switzerland, uh, uh, about six years ago, five years ago, jet lagged, got up the next morning, 
about to do the morning conference, and I'm in the bathroom mirror, and I'm brushing my teeth, saying, oh, God, help, help, help. And he just spoke as clear as day, and he says, who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? He says, you've got to understand that one of the greatest barriers of people having intimacy and authority in prayer is because of wrong views about who I am. And that as we begin to grow a praying community, we must continually speak on the truth of the Father. Speak on the truth of the Son and speak on the truth of the Holy Spirit. Who do you think you're talking to? I want to say to you right now, changing the atmosphere of these six inches changing the atmosphere and beginning to systematically dethrone arguments and strongholds and things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God we must by truth take our seat before the word of God because you got to understand it takes time to get washed. It takes time to get washed. You can feel an impartation of prayer, but until you change who you're talking to, you will revert back to the old cycles and life of prayer. We must change the atmosphere who we're talking to because we're not talking to a middle-class working dad with seven billion children. <laughs> you get that and there's two big lies that the enemy lies to us about he's either lying to you about God's ability or he's lying to you about God's heart or his generosity and we must begin to fill our mind what does the Bible have to say about the ability of God somebody tell me nothing is impossible tell me about the nature of God God is eternally love eternal power Eternal wisdom, eternal goodness, eternal righteousness, eternal justice. He's eternal graciousness, eternal kindness. He is limitless in His supply. His nature is inexhaustible, unchangeable. He's omnipotent, having all power, omnipresent. He's everywhere, omniscient. He knows all things. He is glorious, and His glory fills the heavens. Who are you talking to? My goodness. Well, a lot of us know a bunch of rich people that are stingy. Some of the most stingy people are the richest. I'm not here to tell you he's not just loaded. Beloved, he is the most kind, generous, gracious, kind person you will ever meet. He's not just has it, he loves to give it. You know what Romans 10 says? He is rich to all who call on him. I'm not just talking about money. I'm not mostly talking about money. I am talking about the release of His nature. The release of His nature in connection with us asking for it. You've got to understand that the devil is called the father of lies. And he is seeking to lie to us concerning the nature of our Father in heaven. Father's house is a house of prayer. Father's house is a house of prayer. So that's the first aspect is who are you talking to? Well, the next morning I was in back in the bathroom mirror, brushing my teeth, and oh, strengthen me, strengthen me, strengthen me. And then this spoke the next phrase to me. He goes, who do you think you are? 
And he said it real sassy like that. Who do you think you are? <laughs> and the Lord was telling me, he says, the second part that you, I want you to preach on this morning is I want you to begin to wash them in the truth of what they look like before God. I want you to tell the body of Christ about what they look like in my presence because they're not widows. They are the beloved. They are the accepted. They are the redeemed. They are the forgiven. They are the washed. They are the chosen. They are the elect. They are sons. They are daughters. And they are the bride. And I want to tell you, I believe God is releasing, we're in the middle of God releasing new garments to the body of Christ. New garments are coming to you. We're getting us time for a uh, wardrobe change. <laughs> Zechariah 3 is your chapter to see this. Zechariah 3. God is doing Zechariah 3 in this hour. In Zechariah 3, this is just the way I preach, so you've got to just take notes and get it. I'm going to say about 20 things, and you go home and you feed on it for the next six months, and I'll come back in the fall. <laughs> Zechariah 3, the, the high priest Joshua is standing before the Lord, all right? And he has dirty garments, dirty robes, and a dirty turban, which speaks of a thought life and his priestly ministry. And the devil is at his right hand, and the devil is accusing Joshua before the Lord. Do you know one of the devil's names is called the accuser of the brethren? Do you know that? Revelation 12. His full, do you know that the devil is a demonic intercessor? And he, the Bible says in Revelation 12 that he stands day and night before the throne of God, accusing the saints. He is accusing the saints. He accuses us on four fronts. He is accusing God about you. And then he turns and he accuses you about God. And then he turns and he accuses you about you. And then he turns and he accuses you about her and about him confusion through the power of words and we must break agreement with accusation that is the core reality of intercession it's about agreement what do you agree with because whatever you agree with which is established by the speaking of your words that's what will be established and we must begin to break agreement with lies and begin to agree with truth Truth about who God is, truth about who I am, and truth about who we are, even as we're growing in maturity. Amen? So knowing who we are, oh, Zechariah 3. So the devil is accusing Joshua, and then the Lord steps in, and he says, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord is going to step right in. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And a lot of times it's got to come out of your mouth. Devil, I break my agreement with your lies about God. Your lies about me and your lies about the body. I break my agreement with you. I will not source that nor entertain that any longer. And you've got to speak into the situation. You've got to open your mouth and speak. Hallelujah. Well, then Zechariah gets so excited about it. Well, the guard, the, they, and then the Lord speaks and says, put new robes on Joshua. Well, angels come, and they put the robes on him. Zechariah gets so excited. He goes, yeah, 
and take off the dirty turban too. Zechariah tells the angels, take off the dirty turban and put on a new turban on him. And he put on a new turban. And the Lord says, I'm giving you charge of my courts. I'm giving you charge of my courts. There are new garments. I want to tell you right now, he's breaking the power of shame, guilt. I've been gripped with this phrase recently out of Revelation 7. They made their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. They made their robes white in blood. How do you make something white in blood? Blood will ruin your clothes. But yet, this blood, that when you douse your robes in them, when it comes up, it's clean. Beloved, I want to tell you the power of the blood of Jesus. I want to declare the power and the efficacy and the glory of the blood of the spotless Lamb of God the precious Lamb of God that washes away our sins, that washes away our shame, that washes away our guilt. And if you are living in perpetual cycles of shame and guilt, beloved, come and let Him wash you in His blood. Let Him break off the religious striving of trying to get back in the room and let Him wash you and escort you in the room. The power of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah we got to get washed. we got to get washed. And I really feel that. And I know it's hard for you New Englanders even more than others. You know what's hard? To let someone do something else for you that you can't do for yourself. That is such an affront against your pride, your independence, and your arrogance as letting someone do something for you you can't do for yourself. And I'm feeling it strong, the John 13 reality. Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. You must let him serve you. You must let him serve you because you can't get yourself out of the mess you're in. You've got to let him serve you. See, when he serves you, then you become part of him. And you join with him. I've been feeling this phrase recently that's been coming through me. He must make intercession for you before you can make intercession with him. He's got to wash me. He's got to serve me. He's got to do it for me so I can do it with him. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Here's a good chapter for you. Isaiah 62. You want it tattooed on your spirit. You want it tattooed on your spirit. Isaiah 62. It's the famous verse. I'm going to set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give Him no rest until He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. You know, God is in the business right now of awakening the body of Christ to His heart for Israel. To His heart for the city of the great King. And that He is awakening us and delivering us from our arrogance of thinking it's all about us. But that we've been grafted into a storyline to contend for their salvation. That's powerful. And God's raising up a hundred million intercessors all over the earth to contend for Israel's salvation. That's glorious. But do you know what the key revelation is that's going to keep you there 
never shutting up? Do you, what is the revelation? It's this. It's you're getting a new name. It's called the body of Christ getting a new identity and a new name. We're in an identity crisis. Do you understand that? We're in an identity crisis. And this is your new name. You ready for this? Because you need to put this on your birth certificate. Your passports. It's going to be, a, it's going to be kind of a mess. But your new name is Hephzibah. Everybody's new name is Hephzibah. The Lord delights in you. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Lord delights in me. He takes pleasure in me. And do you understand what's going to happen when you understand that He enjoys you and He takes pleasure in you and He delights in you? Do you understand what that's going to do to your psyche? Do you understand the power of that truth that transforms the inner theater of your soul? God takes pleasure in me. He enjoys me. Ho! Ho! You feel that wave? It's because Holy Spirit likes that stuff. <laughs> it's true. He takes pleasure in me. Do you understand? That's what's going to break off shame and religious striving. And we're not talking to a reluctant God's ear that doesn't really care. We've actually got the attention of the creator of the universe, the president of the universe, happens to think, I'm amazing, he takes pleasure in me, and he moves at the sound of my voice. You know, Mike taught Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. Mike Bickle taught it for 20 years. Every week, he tied in Isaiah 62 somewhere in it. He said it was his favorite chapter in the world. Set Watchman. He was just calling intercessors. And then he woke up from a spiritual dream in 1995 where he's screaming, Call them Hephzibah! Call them Hephzibah! Call them Hephzibah! And he wakes up going, oh my goodness, Hephzibah. <laughs> he wakes up, he goes, oh my goodness, God. He goes, oh, I know that somewhere in the prophets. Now Isaiah 62 is his favorite chapter in the Bible, but he only focused on 6 and 7. So he wakes up and he's spanning his Bible, going through all the prophets. He goes, I know it's in the prophets somewhere. And every time he came to Isaiah 62, he would skip it because he knows Isaiah 62. <laughs> and he spent four hours looking for it and finally broke down like a man and got the concordance out. <laughs> finally, it's like asking directions. You finally break down. He got the concordance out and he saw that Hephzibah was right before his most preached verse he's ever preached. He goes, I'm going to release a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. He goes, your name is Hephzibah and Beulah. For the Lord delights in you, and as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Which means you've got to let him enjoy you. Dude, that is that hits you New Englanders hard. That's a big one. <laughs> the God that enjoys me. <laughs> it's this not a New England. It's a human epidemic, really. We're all prideful, arrogant, independent, self-sufficient people by nature. <laughs> so I got a little help. Y'all got a little extra added on to it, I think. <laughs> we're family anyway 
<laughs> the South, we got all of our own issues. So that's a whole other subject. We have so much poverty of thinking and smallness of thinking. Anyway, I'll hit my family on the other side. But um, <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? I was talking about that. Oh, just that issue of being washed. <laughs> the Lord takes pleasure in you. Do you know that? Everybody just let that wash you. He takes pleasure in me. He delights in me. Oh, Mike's dream. So Mike, he finally breaks down, and then the light bulbs begin to explode on the inside of him. He goes, oh, my goodness. The key revelation that is going to set watchmen that will never stop day or night until Jerusalem is appraised in the earth. The revelation is that the Lord delights in us. That the Lord delights in me. And that when the revelation that He delights in me, that is what the intercessors are going to be set in. They're going to be rooted and grounded and established in the revelation that He delights in me and that He wants this more than I do. My goodness. Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17, it, it, it's a really short verse, but it's profound. And it shows us where we're going. I like to read the end of the Bible to see what I'm going to look like. Because if he's the author and the finisher of my faith, we're in some rough chapters. <laughs> I'm like, God, where are we going? How are you going to get us there? And what are we going to look like by the end of this thing? It's this. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. That is a prophecy. That is a prophecy. That is the cry that's going to call Jesus back to the planet. That is a threefold prophecy. The first one is this. There's coming a day to where Holy Spirit and the church are one. <laughs> How in the world? I mean, for the last 2,000 years, Holy Spirit's been on FM and we've been on AM. <laughs> just two different frequencies <laughs> that's why we never get his channel but there's coming and I want to tell you there's coming a time where Holy Spirit and church are going to be saying the same thing it's that John 17 prayer that they would be one as you father are in me and I in you that they would be one in us and that the world would believe. That's what the world is going to see. Is a church caught up in the fellowship of the Godhead. There's going to be a unity between heaven and earth. That's going to come. And I want to tell you. Well practically how do we get from where we're at to that moment. You ready for this? Put your hand on your belly. Holy Spirit is becoming your new best friend today. I'm serious. Holy Spirit is God. He's a person with a personality, and I want him to become your new best friend. And as you begin to talk to him and engage him, you'll begin to find that his thoughts, his desires, and his dreams will begin to become yours. Begin to ask Holy Spirit to become your best friend. Remember when you were in grade school and you walked, would you be my best friend? <laughs> will you be my best friend? Ask him to become your best friend. And begin to prioritize your life around fellowshipping with Him. Fellowship with Holy Spirit. Talk to Holy Spirit. Engage Holy Spirit. Receive from Holy Spirit. Soak in Holy Spirit. 
Hallelujah. This is the picture I've been filling all morning. You know what the greatest picture of an intercessor, what it looks like? It's Mary of Bethany in Luke 10, sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his words. Holy Spirit. I want to tell you through meditation in the word, talking to Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Spirit, these are practical ways for you to get into that Revelation twenty two seventeen company. What else is Holy Spirit going to do? Well, he's going to give you, it's the Spirit and the who saying come. Come on, wake up. Who? It's not the Spirit in church. It's not the Spirit in the army. Do you understand what that means? That there is coming a revelation of Jesus as bridegroom that's going to fill the planet. Which is thereby going to set you into a new identity. You are going, and I tell you this by the word of the Lord. You will begin to see him as your heavenly bridegroom. And you individually and us corporately as his bride. This is about the wedding of the ages. And you're the one that's been nourished. You're the one that's been pursued. You're the one that's been treasured. And it's not just some passive Don Juan just hanging out with you all day. He's a man of fire. He's a God of passion. He's a God of zeal. And when you start talking about bride, bridegroom stuff, it's into I don't share you with anybody. Which means he's going to get up and mess up everything. Because he's a bridegroom motivated by passion that will remove everything that can be removed for the sake of love. He's passion and he's fire and he's going to set that Song of Solomon 8-6 seal of divine love on our hearts to where he owns our affections. You're getting a new identity. It's called bridal identity. Men, you don't have to put on a dress. Men, we're the bride, but girls, you're sons. This thing transcends gender. It's about... <laughs> It's about a responsiveness of relationship with God. Bridal is this. I'm a receiver. <laughs> and I'm a partner. You got that? It's about receiving and partnering. The spirit and the bride, what are they doing? Saying, come. 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 The spirit of prayer is going to be the primary end time anointing. Is going to be the primary anointing on the church. When I say come, I think of come in three ways. Come to me in intimacy. You can begin to ask him now, come to me in intimacy. Touch my heart with your fire. Touch my heart with your word. Touch my heart with your spirit. It's not only come to me, it's come near us in revival. We need revival to touch Boston, to touch all of New England. We want him to come near us. We want His manifest presence to be manifested in the region. Hallelujah. And we want Him to come for us at the second coming. Holy Spirit. <laughs> and our deep is going to call out to His deep and He's going to return. Amen. You know why I love Mary of Bethany? Because we see her only three times and then we never hear about her again. Luke 10, she's sitting at his feet, hearing his word. Martha gets in an uproar. Jesus says, chill out. Mary's choosing the best part. Which means this is going to be justified here in a second. Well, 
It was. In John 11, the next time we see Mary, where at? The death of Lazarus, her brother. Jesus waits on purpose before he comes into the city. He comes to the edge of the city. Martha runs out there and said, Lord, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know you can ask God whatever you want right now, and God will answer you. He says, your brother will live again. I know he will live again at the resurrection of the dead, which means she has right theology. She understands the resurrection of the dead. I know he will at the resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah. I can't wait till that day. Honey, I am the resurrection. And then they stopped, and she turned around. She ran back into the city, and this is crazy. She looked at Mary and said, he's looking for you. <laughs> now, Jesus never, ever articulated, I'm looking for Mary. I think she saw something in his eye saying, I can't get us out of this mess. I'm over here in Theologyville trying to figure him out. And he's looking for more than good theology right now. now. This is crazy. Mary runs out to the same spot and says the exact same phrase as Martha. The exact same phrase. Lord, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, what did Jesus do when Mary said it? He groaned in his spirit. He wept. And he says, where have you laid him? You know what I believe? She let his words go to her deep. And in the hour of crisis, her deep called out to his deep. And she pulled a resurrection out of him. Jesus. And then he gets there before Lazarus. He goes, Father, I thank you that you hear me. You always hear me. And then he said, Lazarus, come forth. The next time we see Mary, what's she doing? Coming in with an alabaster flask, breaking 40,000 on Jesus, it, all the disciples manifesting. <laughs> Anger. They're mad. Everybody's vying. Who's going to be here? Who's going to be sitting there? She goes, I care less about that. He's about to die. Nobody can get it through their thick skulls. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's good to have intercession during the service. <laughs> I don't, or they were playing with a kid. Um, <laughs> and what do we see? She breaks in, takes the alabaster flask, breaks it. Everybody's in an uproar, and then Jesus speaks on the situation. He goes, leave her alone. She's done a good work for me. And then he asks the question, why do you trouble her? Peter, why are you manifesting? What's going on inside of you that, that this little girl and what she just did is causing you to react the way you reacted? Could it be she could care less about the political spirit? Could it be she could care less about climbing up some ladder? And she is seizing a window to touch me and to give me something. And then he says, guys, you got the poor with you always. You can always do them good. You don't always have me here. And then he gives the most amazing phrase about what she did. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Nobody could get it through their thick skulls. He's going to die. Though Jesus said it a thousand ways in every easy way, I'm going to die. She not only got the revelation... She prepared him for his death. And he goes, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial. Which means, Peter, James, John, when you take the gospel, tell this story. Because this is what a life looks like that's been impacted by the gospel. 
They give it all. And they break every social protocol in the midst of it. That's my picture of an intercessor. Hallelujah. I want you to know right now, I mean, just these last couple of moments, and we'll pray for you. He loves you so much. And you know what? You can't get enough of that. That's why you've got to come to the prayer room and let Daryl and the team sing over you. Because I don't know about you, but I forget that truth every day. That's why I love these songs that sing over us that remind me of who I am. I am the rose. I am the lily. I am yours. I'm your beauty. I mean, just get washed in these truths of who we are and who he is and what he's going to do. And we keep, we need it daily. That's that Hebrews 3. Exhort one another daily, lest you be hardened through unbelief and you depart from the living God. He goes, you need it daily. You need it washing in the truth of God, of you, of what he's going to do, and of what happens when you open your mouth. What happens when you open your mouth and you speak and sing words back to God? It releases His power. It releases His power. It releases His justice. It releases breakthrough. It releases things when you agree with heaven. Isaiah 42, sing to the Lord a new song, and the Lord shall go forth like a mighty man of war. When we sing, He goes forth. And we want to see Him break out in this region. I was just kind of, I mean, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> okay. <sighs> Jesus. <sighs> just take a deep breath. Let it wash because sometimes we just get so busy. But I'm going to tell you right now. I'd invite you to go on the search of downsizing your life so you can make room to be washed every day. Downsize. Push away so that you can get washed in. You are my son. You are Hephzibah. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to get washed in truth that sets us to believe again the promises of God over the city. And, and get reconnected with that of seeing what happens. I love Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42 is one of those glorious chapters of Jesus, the servant. He's the servant, and he's going to bring forth justice to the nations. And we see the first few verses of the heart of the social justice reformer. He's not going to cry out. He's not going to quench smoldering wicks. He cups around people that are barely holding on. And instead of, he does this. And he lightly blows truth until you're on fire again. That is the heart of the social justice reformer. <laughs> I don't, I mean, my, many of us are barely holding on. And it's so easy just to go. But he doesn't. It says he doesn't quench smoldering wicks. And he doesn't destroy bruised wicks or bruised reeds. But he heals them by the speaking of his words over us. That's his heart. The first ten verses are all about how the heart that we see displayed at his first coming and through the cross. 
But then there's a shift in verse 10 saying, the spirit of prophecy, I'm going to tell you some things. Those things happen. Get ready. There's new things coming. And what breaks the 2,000-year silence? It's verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song. And His praise from the ends of the earth. It talks about that God's going to begin to release a singing movement in the nations because those smoldering wicks are going to come back as torches that are in agreement with heaven and that are going to sing a new song. And God prophesies about a global worship and singing movement. A singing movement throughout all the nations. And then He highlights two trophies in His trophy case. It's amazing. He highlights the cities of Qadar and Salah, which in our modern-day terms, it's Saudi Arabia and it's Jordan. And he says, I'm going to do something globally. Everybody's going to sing everywhere, but I got my two favorite places. They're going to sing for Mecca. <laughs> I'm going to have a prayer room. I'm going to have prayer rooms all over Mecca. And they're going to sing to me from there. Whew. I'm glad it's in the Bible. <laughs> which means, which by shows, he's not intimidated by the intellectualism of New England. Which means, I ain't, I ain't nothing. He says, which means this, that if I'll do it there and I put it in the Bible, the rest of this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> not intimidated by anything. Matter of fact, in the verse few verses, he says he will not fail nor be discouraged. There is a man at the right hand of the Father who doesn't get discouraged until he's established justice in the nations. I want to get connected to the 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 man that never gets discouraged. <sighs> Let that courage just blow on our hearts. Let that forehead aflant of the surety and the certainty of the plan. Let it fill us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, it's going to happen everywhere. And what's this going to do? The Lord will go forth like a man of war. He says, I've held my peace a long time, and now I'm about to pant and gasp like a woman in childbirth. He says, guys, I'm about to break it all up, man. I'm about to break in, break out, break through, and I'm bringing justice to the nations. Hallelujah. He says, just keep singing. Just keep singing. I'm coming. I just want to ask this morning that he would just blow on us. I feel like these two sessions, he's just, just washing us again in the truths that we said yes to, and he's refortifying us to the original vision. Hallelujah. Let's just stand right now. Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Do you understand the power of your words? The power of your voice? Song of Solomon 2.14. He doesn't say, let me hear Daryl's voice. He doesn't say, let me hear pastor's voice. He says, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face and let me hear your voice. He says, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Nobody else can sing your song 
No one else can pray your prayer. And the power of your voice in the courtroom of heaven moves things. And I want you to know right now, I didn't have time to go into this, but as you see with the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8, that you don't have to be in a geographical place for it to matter. The Roman centurion defines to Jesus how it works. And Jesus gets backslidden in the spirit. I mean, not backslidden. He's, he, gets, uh, he, he falls in the spirit. He gets so shocked by this man who says, you don't have to come I lay hands on him. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus about got slain in the spirit. That's the word I'm trying to say. Not backslidden. Jesus goes, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. He goes, you don't have to come lay hands on him. Just speak it. <laughs> Beloved, we are in a kingdom. And the kingdom rules through words of agreement with the king. Let's just ask him right now. Just open up your hand. Let's just ask for the spirit of prayer to come on us. I thank you for what you did last night, God. I thank you for the impartation. Father, I just ask you for fresh fire, fresh impartation, fresh spirit of prayer. I just declare today over you, Zechariah 3, I just say over every one of your lives, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen this one and this people, the Lord rebuke you. I just declare right now the release of new garments over your life. The release of new robes. We get stained in the journey. We get, we get dirty in the journey. And the Lord just wants to release new garments washed in royal blood. We just wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. Ha! Just release angels in this room and just begin to apply new garments. I just speak new robes. No longer shameful, guilty, ugly. Hallelujah. Right now, new robes. Receive them right now. Oh! Now release a new turban, God, too. I just speak a new thought life over you. A new voice recorder in your mind. A new video player in your mind. We just take authority over the accuser of the brethren. And in the same way he's cast down in Revelation 12, we just command his accusations to be broken. We break our agreement with accusation. Say that. Say, I break my agreement with accusation. Satan, you are a liar. And I break my agreement with you. And I agree with truth. The truth of my Father in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let light flood your minds right now. Oh, just release your presence, Holy Spirit. Father, release a spirit of prayer on us right now. Just begin to pray in the spirit right now. All over the room. Just begin to engage your spirit with what's going on in here. 
Shandala bato yo ribedele bo shandala bo 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 bo. Father, I just ask you to release the spirit of prayer. Build the house of prayer in this region. We love you, Holy Spirit. God, we ask you for the nations. We thank you for the nations that are gathering here, God. We ask you for the Russian-speaking world. God, we ask you for salvation in the Russian-speaking world. God, we ask you right now for revival in the Portuguese-speaking world. We ask you, God, for revival. Release your fire. Oh. oh! We say the Spirit and the Bride say come. The Spirit and the Bride say come. We say come to us in intimacy. Come near us in revival. Come for us at the second coming. Release new fire on our hearts. Put your seal of divine love on our hearts. Just a few more minutes. Learn to receive. Repent of your arrogance and self-sufficiency. Just say, Lord, I'm going to begin to receive. I'm going to be like Mary, and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit down and shut up. And even when I hear those voices inside of me saying, do something to make yourself acceptable and productive, I'll tell those voices to shut up. And I refuse to be driven by the tyranny of the demands of people. It's going to take warfare to sit down. You got to let him wash your feet or you have no part of him. I just ask you, Jesus, great servant. Come and serve your people here in Boston. Come serve your people in New England. Come and wash their feet. I'm going to let you love me, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would just gather to J-Hop, singers and musicians, intercessors. Uh, I ask you for a songwriting anointing to be released upon this house. Release a songwriting anointing. We need songs about God. Songs about what we look like to God. Songs about what He does and what's in His heart. Shia! Oh! 
Release your fire, Holy Spirit. Release the spirit of prophecy right now. Release the spirit of prophecy right now. Hallelujah. Release. Just wash us, Lord. Jesus says you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Hallelujah. <laughs> you're clean. Hallelujah. Father, hallelujah. We thank you for the march for Jesus in June. Oh. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Just breathe. If you can breathe, you can receive. Just receive. Every time you breathe, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Release your presence. We love you, Holy Spirit. We honor you, Holy Spirit. Do you understand that Holy Spirit is the ultimate friend of the bridegroom? And he is preparing us for our wedding day. <laughs> you know how he's doing it? He's telling us truths about Jesus. And telling us what we look like to Jesus. And how he feels about us. And what happens when we open our mouths. Father, I just pray, release a fresh encounter and a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. Right now, just open up your hands all over the room. We're going to ask for just a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you, a baptism. We ask you, say, Father, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, fill this company with the Holy Spirit. I pray for a baptism of fire. I pray for new tongues. I pray for new gifts. I pray for new spirit of prayer and receptivity upon us. Ha! Release it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Teach me how to receive God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you.
We bless you, Holy Spirit. We honor you, Holy Spirit. 